welcome to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. I'm Shelley Qualteri, your host. This podcast was created for you, the woman who wants more in her life, for her family, and in her relationships. We're going to spend time creating inspiration and motivation while providing you with tangible, practical strategies and tools for your life to find greater happiness, love, and fulfillment. I will provide you with real-life takeaways that have you not only thinking about, but taking action to create your fiercely fabulous life. Now let's get started. Welcome back to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. Well, today we are going to talk about parenting and why in the heck do our kids not listen and how can we make this change? How can we have this look look different for us as parents so we don't feel all of the frustration, whether they are these littlies or whether they are now adolescents in our homes. So we're all parents who are trying our, to do our best to raise kids who listen. It feels like sometimes it should be a simple task or a simple process. Why aren't they comprehending what I'm saying? It should feel sometimes like it's simple. It should feel like it's safe when we're talking to our kids. But sometimes we're our own worst enemies and we are the ones sabotaging why they're not listening. And we're the ones as parents that maybe aren't being as clear or direct as as we think maybe we should. We maybe as clear and direct as our kids need for us to be. And sometimes we are, let's be honest, just flat out confusing for them. So we're going to talk about, I don't know, 10, 12 different reasons why kids often won't listen. And then I'm going to give you an equal amount of strategies and tools to try out right away today, as soon as you finish listening to this podcast, you know, when you get home from work or when you've had a quiet half hour to yourself cooking dinner while you're listening to this or out for your walk or cozied up under a blanket to really just figure this out with your kids. Okay, let's get into it. Number one, mornings without consequences. So how many of you have ever said to your kids, I'm warning you, this is the third time I've told you today. If I have to tell you one more time, <laughs> yet it's the third, fourth, fifth time you've said today, I'm warning you, but there's no consequence that follows the warning, right? It's an empty threat. So as as parents, we are really conditioning our kids to just ignore us. We as parents are really just conditioning our kids that it's just chatter that's coming out of our mouths. We're not actually, we don't have meaning behind it. There's no um, real consequence to them. It really is just about us making the threat, but not following through with it. So it's, it, that's pretty obvious. Our kids start realizing, well, whatever is coming out of mom's mouth, she's told me that three, four, five times today, yesterday, day before, day before, but there's not a consequence for it. But the challenge is, is if we as parents don't follow through on that, then when we do consequence, it feels even more harsh. So let's say, for example, mom says no snacks if you don't finish dinner. But then last night she broke down 
and kiddos were screaming crying I don't want to go to bed I'm starving I'm so hungry ah okay well go right ahead have a snack so guess what they're going to remember that they're going to remember that when you said, if you don't finish your dinner, there's no snack before bed, yet here they were throwing a little temper tantrum or throwing some, you know, sass your way and you were like, okay, fine, go ahead, grab something. But then you try it the next night. Consequences, empty threats. So stick to your guns. Make sure you're actually doing what you're saying the consequence is going to be. Kids um, don't listen because we're not being consistent. Varied punishments. So number two, punishments are too varied. So for example, let's say on night number one, mom had a, had a really good sleep. She had a cup of coffee and one kiddo hits brother with a toy or yells and screams at sister and says, well, I didn't think that the toy would hurt them, or I didn't think that when I yelled at them, that would really hurt their feelings. So mom says, you know what, Timmy, I understand you weren't trying to hurt your brother, but you have to be more careful. Please say you're sorry. And things are good. So here we are, day number two. Mom really hasn't slept hasn't gotten through her first cup of coffee of the day. Isn't that usual? That's like more so what it's like to be a mom, especially of younger kids. Maybe not so much for those of us that have teenagers because, well, maybe we can have a whole pot before they even get out of bed. <laughs> so here we are again. Timmy hits brother or um, kiddo yells at sister. And so then mom says, Timmy, that's enough. Go to your room. Think about what you've done. Give me that toy. It's going away for the day. You need to listen. Or because you yelled at your sister, then you're not going to have your electronics for the rest of the day. You need to listen when I talk to you. Okay. Very similar scenarios for the kids. Different scenario for mom because one night she's had a good sleep and a nice cup of coffee in the morning and has a nice relaxed start to her day. Day number two, hasn't had as much sleep, maybe potentially, um, and hasn't had her full cup of coffee, whatever it might be, and very different consequences. So what is, what, what is the right way? Be consistent with your punishments. Don't be the Jekyll and Hyde. So if their Timmy hits brother with toy, consequence needs to be the same for both children. For Timmy, at least, it needs to be the same. If brother yells at sister one day versus another, consequences need to be the same in relation to how they're managed. So having inconsistency around punishments and consequences is really unsettling for kids. So hard for them to listen and understand the rules if you're changing the goalposts. Three, inconsistent demands. So what is it that you are wanting? So let's say one of your kids says, can you um, get my lunch ready for school today? Can you make my bed? Can you do my laundry? And one day you're like, yep, yeah, sure, no problem. I can definitely do that for you. Then the next day, 
nope, you're big enough. You can do that yourself. You can be able to figure that out yourself. Um, really, it's challenging when kids or teenagers have a routine that's broken, no explanation, no real understanding. There's confusion, there's frustration, it leads to misunderstandings. Well, how come yesterday when I asked you to get my orange juice or help me make my breakfast or my lunch or do my laundry, you said, yep, sure, no problem, for sure. But now today I ask you the exact same thing and you snap back at me, nope, you know that you're old enough to do this. I'm not helping you out with this. I'm not doing this for you. That's really inconsistent for kids. You know what? Kids from very little all the way through to mid-late teens love routine consistency, patterns, and having stability and rules and structure. A lot of times parents will say, well, you know, um, they're getting a bit older. They don't need as much structure routine. They still do. And actually when there's been research done with kids, you guys know I love my research and teenagers, even adults, they like routine, consistency, patterns and an understanding of structure and what's going to happen throughout the day think about when they're all in school they know what's happening throughout their day there's a typical routine there they know which class is coming when how why that's why when you walk into a classroom with kids whether it's um, teenagers in grade 9 10 11 or into a grade 1 or 2 class that you're in awe of teachers who have it all together. They're quiet. They're listening. It's because there's structure. There's consistency. It's not varied. Consequences um, are held. Punishments and consequences are consistent. Number four, having the child feel like they have no choice. So when a kiddo says, well, can I do this? Or am I allowed to go out for a play date? Or can you help me um, get a fort ready to have a uh, sleep out tonight? Or whatever the question might be. And your answer is no. And they ask why. And you say, because I said so. Because I'm the parent. Because I'm the adult. Well, that's actually not an answer. That is holding power over your child. How are you supposed to teach them to become critical thinkers, be curious, and understand reasoning behind things if you don't explain it? So let them have a choice. Have them understand. There is nothing more frustrating to a child um, than being told, no, because I'm the adult. It allows them to feel that they have no choice. They have no control. And... Basically, you're the one who's going to tell them the way it is because you're the adult. The other part of that is, res- is not respecting what their choice is. So let's say you do give them a reason why, and then you give them a couple of options or choices to pick from. So, um, you know, I can't take you to the store now or to your friend's place now or organize a play date now, but these are the two options that you have. Well, then they choose one of the options and you're like, uh, no, it's going to be the other one. Or, oh, those, neither of those actually are going to work for me. We're going to flip and flop it around. So even when they're given choices, you don't respect what their choices are. So then an argument happens 
over this scenario and then everybody ends up happy unhappy and we feel as though as the child we feel as though well maybe I need to learn how to make better choices I wasn't listened to anyway I don't feel very confident in what I told my parent so then when the big stuff does come up when they start getting older why would they come to you and talk to you and then I have parents in my office you know my private practice and say they just don't listen they don't want to hear what I have to say well why would they you haven't respected their choices in past when you've asked them or you haven't given them options or choices because you've just always said to them, that's the way it is. If you want kids to grow up being these beautiful, respectable adults who listen and who talk and engage in conversation, you need to be the parent who is creating consistency and mirroring for them. I'll often, often ask parents, what kind of a human do you want to see, you know, Ashton or Alyssa or Austin go out into the world be what kind of a human do you want to see them be when they leave your home your parents will say kind considerate generous smart intelligent respectful they'll list off all of these things and then I will say how are you teaching that to them especially if you're a parent who is yelling who's demanding who's inconsistent with expectations who doesn't have conversation who doesn't share emotion who creates empty consequences or doesn't follow through with punishments uh, that that you say that you're going to number six the volume your volume as a mom or a dad it doesn't really it doesn't really vary so volume is one of the best attention getters for children it's human nature that loud noise is to garner our attention However, let's say, for example, you live next to train tracks and you stop uh, hearing trains after a few months. Hmm. Well, being loud is important when needs to be. However, don't forget to use a natural, calm, quiet tone or even a whisper sometimes because shouting to get somebody's attention or talking in a loud voice all of the time is not going to garner attention when there is risk that happens or something serious or you really are angry about something. So if you're constantly yelling from one room to the other or you're feeling like you're constantly needing to have a loud volume, what else is going on? Why are you not talking in a calm, relaxed tone? Would you talk in the same way to your children that um, you would to your colleagues at work? In how you behave in your tone and volume and statements to your kids or your partner even, but really to your kids, would you treat your colleagues like that or other people's children like that? Think about that. Sarcasm. Kids don't listen because they don't understand sarcasm. Children are very, very literal They don't get it. They don't understand sarcasm. Sarcasm isn't something kids start understanding until they're, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. And then they'll say, oh, you're using sarcasm. Oh, I get it now. That was sarcastic. So trying to make a snotty, clever, sarcastic mark about remark about your kid's behavior and think that they're going to pick it up and that they're going to listen, they're going to take literally what you say. 
it's confusing for kids. They don't understand it. It's been used in vain by you as a parent. And it just leads to confusion and frustration. They don't know what that's supposed to mean. They don't understand what they're supposed to do with that. So kids are literal. They really do think like when you say, close the bathroom door and lock it, don't, they, they literally will close the bathroom door and lock it. If you're saying, yeah, learn how to close the bathroom door and lock it, depending on how old they are, they, they may totally not get it. Like, what is that supposed to mean? I, I'm five, I'm seven. I don't know. Anyway, sarcasm and kids doesn't work, creates confusion. Let's just be real blunt. Don't be a jerk parent. Parenting like a real jerk um, when other when other people or your friends your kids' friends are around just makes other people think you're kind of a jerk. And it's confusing and it is demeaning and it's um, really stroking your own ego to be just kind of a jerk as a parent to kids are coming to this world by you for you with you to learn from you so if you want to be kind of an ass or a jerk to your kids well what do you expect in return if you're constantly yelling at them or you are sarcastic or disrespectful or inconsistent with um, your affection or inconsistent with your rules why would you expect any less from your kids they're going to be inconsistent with following the rules then. They're going to be inconsistent with um, being kind towards you. So let's not really be kind of jerks when we're, when we're parenting. Let's show kindness and compassion and love. Number nine, not giving any warnings. Oh. So this is where warnings can... Um, go wrong. Don't do that again or else. So there's different kinds of warnings. So if you want your child to be successful when you're providing warnings, the empty threat warnings of don't do that or else. I don't want to see you do that again or else. What does that mean? What does that mean to a child? Remember, they're literal. Don't be a jerk. Explain to them. What does that mean? So these warnings are the ones that help your um, kids to succeed, to listen, to want to do and be and walk alongside you. In 10 minutes, we're going to have to clean up the kitchen. After, you know, Or 10 minutes, we're having lunch, and then we're going to clean up the kitchen. After this TV show, we're all going to grab a shower, put on our jammies, watch a movie together. So if that doesn't happen, then... There's going to be a consequence of you losing your electronics for the rest of the evening or tomorrow, or you're not going to be able to have your story when you go to bed tonight. Being really clear that warnings alone can change a child's behavior really drastically or a teen's behavior if they understand what the routine is, what the practice is. So you can do things like using your Alexa or your Echo Dot or having chore charts and routine charts and um, on the boards from when they're little. You can set routine consistently as they grow older, having the same one year after year, day after day, month after month. 
you know, this is something that we've done in our family home is that from when my oldest was in grade one, we would come home from school, you know, uh, the after school, they would have a snack, they would have one hour of downtime to do whatever they wanted for that hour. Um, and then after that was what we call the important things. So doing chores, doing homework, having dinner, getting showered, getting prepared for sport that might be going on that evening. Then we would have our dinner. Um, and then after dinner, again, everybody would, you know, kind of follow through with what the rest of their evening might look like, which would be doing half an hour of reading. And then everybody knows their exact bedtime. And that routine has been consistent in my house for almost 10 years. And each consecutive child knows exactly what the routine is. So all I have to say to them is, you know what we have to do after school. If you choose not to follow through with our routine and what's expected, there will be a consequence of blah, blah, blah. But I don't even need to say anything more than, you know what, you know what we have to do for important things. And everybody does their thing. Of course, yes, definitely there's times that they don't want to do it and they battle against it for sure. Or that I get lazy and, you know, we kind of drop routine for a little bit here and there. But this is how we get our kids to listen, right? It avoids confusion um, and it builds confidence, critical thinking, conversation, you know, a ways for them to help adapt and, and make suggestions about how things could and look different, differently, be better, especially as they get older. Um, you know, number 10, not knowing if your kids heard you or not. This is one of the simplest things we can do as parents is be in the same room and have a conversation with our child eye to eye and look at them and make sure that they've heard what we're asking. Because when kids are watching TV or on their electronics or on their phone or in a different room, they automatically will just parrot a response to you. Come down for dinner. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, you know, we get, we're getting annoyed. I said, come down for dinner. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then they're still not down five minutes later after that. And then we we go storming up the stairs and they're like, I didn't hear you. Well, actually parents, that's really on us. Sometimes they've heard us. Yes. But other times they really haven't. So being able to just go up into the same room and say, look, I've called you twice already. Did you hear me? No. What did, what was it that you said? Okay. So really ensuring there, if they're, if you're going to consequence them, make sure that they actually heard you before you choose to do that or blow your own cool top, you know, lift your, blow your own, flip your own lid. Um, so number 11, not, uh, speaking towards your children again, not them not hearing you, right? Or giving them those statements of, okay, I'm I'm asking you to come down for dinner. I've asked you to do the dishes. Did you hear what I said? Yes, mom, I heard what you said. Okay, what did I say? You said da 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 da, right? So get them to repeat back to you what it is that you've asked them because this is going to let you know. If when you've spoken to them, even if you're not in the same room, they've heard it. Unrealistic expectations. Sometimes parents are waiting in the wings to pounce on the missteps of their children. Instead of redirecting and praising for parts of the things that they got right, that you look at the things that they got wrong. 
And sometimes you need to really put away what those unrealistic expectations are. You know, for a child who's five, expectations are different from a child who's 10 and expectations are different who a child who is 15. And sometimes if we are both working parents and sometimes if we've got our own stuff going on, we put way heavier weights on our kiddos at 10 or 11 or 12 years old than what is really realistic of these littlies and then we see temper tantrums and they they still really want to please us but it's never you know um at a level that is realistic for them or their age number 13 asking them things in a real negative way so stop doing this, knock it off. Can't you just, you know, figure out how to put the shoes away? Like I've asked you to be able to do that. Constantly, they're feeling like they're on edge, that they are annoying you, that they're not allowed to really do any of those, you know, anything to please you. Um, You should be telling them more what to do than what not to do. Using a strength-based approach, talking to them in a really positive way rather than in that negative tone and in a way that where they feel constantly as though they um, are being criticized rather than comforted. So let's talk a little bit about how we can really get our kids to listen. What are some ways we can get our kids to listen? A couple of them I've made mention of already. So go to the same room where your child is. If they're in another room, put the laundry down, go in there. If they're in another room on electronics, go in there. Make eye contact and have a conversation with them. That's going to help them know that you're really there paying attention, listening, and not just freaking out if you think that they haven't listened. Because sometimes when we're in other rooms, we don't hear them either. Make some physical contact. Take them by the hand, give them a hug, put your arm around them, look them in the eye by lifting up their chin. Get their attention. Get down to their level. Make sure you're looking them in the eye. Ask them to repeat what it is you've said, done, or asked them to do. Don't be a broken record. After you've done all of those things, if you've asked them to do what they need to do two times, by the third time, there's a consequence and you're following through with it and it's consistent and it's regular, not just one night and not the other. So you're being really consistent and you're not being that broken record of, I've already asked you, I've told you. Use empathy with them. Let them know that you hearing them, that you care, that this sounds tough, that you will support them in their scenario, that you're giving them choices, you're hearing what they're saying, even if they've made an error, a mistake, or you think that, oh gosh, this choice isn't going to go the right way. If you've given them the autonomy to make a choice because they've listened, because you've allowed that to happen, then empathize when things haven't gone quite right. We're humans. We all make mistakes. Sometimes saying your request with one word or really breaking it down simple. We don't need to fill all of these conversations with our kids with all this fluff and, you know, demand and, um, you know, creating confusion for them where we don't need to. So 
for example, as I said earlier, my kids know that they can have their one hour after school to do whatever they want to do. And then all I have to say is it's time to do the important things, right? If I were to just say to them the important things, they would know exactly what I mean. I don't have to fill a whole lot of conversation because we've created structure, balance, routine. You can do this no matter how old they are. You start with age-appropriate chores, activities, expectations, and then as they get bigger and older, you build on that. Describe to them what you see. So describe to them, um, you know, I see that there are your toys still sitting in the floor. Can you go pick those up? I see that you haven't done your laundry that we've talked about. And you know that this is something new that is in your routine to be able to do. I'm wondering where you might need support with that. But this is your task. Explain to them why. We've talked about that just a little bit, right? Explain to them why you're making the decision. Why brushing their teeth is important so they don't get cavities. Why calling home when they're out with their friends at 10 o'clock at night is important for safety and and um, the reasons behind it. Not just because, Language is so important for kids. When we use language like, let's do this together, we, us, that positive spin on things. When we use the words, you're going to do this, you need to do this. It's really, um, uh, to separate, it's really separating of, of kids and adults. It's an us and them type of a feeling. You know, if you want your family to feel like a team, if you want your family to fully cooperate, that's how you need to treat it. How does a coach talk to their team? They're not going to say you, the goalie, you screwed up, you defense, you didn't do your job. It's like a team we need to pull together we're a team how do we support the goalie defense what support do you need from forwards so when you're thinking about your family how are you creating a space and place for them to listen are you creating divide or are you creating connection using the um words that are positive rather than negative. We talked about that a little bit too, right? So making sure that you're using ways, uh, words in a positive way. I need you to, instead of you have to, um, instead of saying, stop that, don't do that. Maybe change that to, could you please? I would like if you could. Don't forget one of the most important things if we want to our kids to listen is having conversations with them and asking them why. Use kindness. Be genuine. Be authentic. Show them how much you love them. Ask them why they need support. How come they want to do things a certain way? Get their reasons, their rationale. Uh, Consider that. Understand them. Listen. Compromise. Isn't that what teaching our kids is all about? Is really being able to connect with them. If they want, if you want them to listen, then you need to be able to hear them out as well, particularly as they start getting older. They have their own thoughts, they have their own ideas. When they become teenagers, there may way actually be a little bit better way. Because that way 
we really are allowing them to grow their skills, connect in relationships, validate their feelings, validate, yeah, that's hard. I understand why you're crying. I know you're upset that your brother didn't let you play with them today. I know you're feeling sad because your sister didn't want to do you know, the hide and seek game that you wanted to. I know you're upset because your brother wouldn't drive you to your friend's place today. So validate and empathize with their feelings. Give them choices and praise them. Praise them, praise them, praise them. Because for every one thing that we say that's glorious and beautiful and connecting and loving to them, They will hear the five things that have been critical, the negative words, the us versus them, the not validating who they are, the unrealistic expectations, the no warnings and sarcasm and all those things. So I hope this episode has been helpful. I'm going to do a little recap for you. So one. Don't give warnings without following through on the consequences. Stick to consistent consequences and their punishments. Don't vary them so much that they don't understand. Don't be inconsistent with your demands of what they do in and around the house or with their behaviors. Give them choices. And when you give them choices, respect their choices. Watch the volume and tone in which you talk to your kiddos and ask yourself, would I treat other people's children or my colleagues in this way? Would I talk to them like this? Be mindful of sarcasm. Depending on their age, kids are literal. They don't get it. Don't be a jerk of a parent. Connect with your kids. Give warnings and explain what those are. Be in the same room as your kids so they hear you, so they know and be clear in what you're asking and get them to repeat what it is that you, what you're needing of them. Don't have unrealistic expectations of them and voice your requests in a positive way rather than in a negative light. I hope that this has been real helpful for you guys today. Would love to hear your thoughts, comments. Don't hesitate to reach out and enjoy the rest of your evening if that's when you're listening. Have a fiercely fabulous day, guys. Bye for now. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to your Fiercely Fabulous Life podcast. Be sure to share with any woman in your life who needs just a little bit more. Be sure to follow me on my socials and I look forward to seeing you again next time. Bye for now.